Well, as promised, I welcome my next guest, Mr. Jeff Mordock. He's the Washington Times Department of Justice reporter. First of all, Jeff, how are you doing with this whole craziness? I'm doing fine. It's, um, it's a tough situation because you uh, want to, um, you know, you want to go out and do things, but you recognize you can't, and it's just, uh, it's just a, uh, a tough situation. How are you doing? How's are you staying safe, and are you, uh, well, we, I've been able to work from home. I've been able to get a lot of stuff done from home, so I'm staying safe. <clears throat> and because Good. my immune system is a little more at risk than the normal person, I definitely want to take this with caution. But I also say those who may have had it, I don't know. I'm so mixed about this because I want reopening to happen too. It's like my personal situation, I still want us to still open up and still be able to, but we'll get there. But have you, what has the guidelines been for the DOJ Press briefings. Have you guys even been allowed in during this time? Uh, no, and, and I haven't been able to go to certain places. Like the Justice Department at the beginning, I know there was at least one attorney who had COVID-19, and um, they were kind of cleaning, so I kind of stayed out of the press room from there for a little bit. Uh, you know, the Capitol, there wasn't much going on because lawmakers were all working from home. So... You know, I kind of been forced to work from home because all the places I usually go, the courthouse, the Justice Department, the Capitol, etc., have all been closed. So how have you been able to cover it? Are you watching the TV, I guess? Or how, are they doing a call-in thing to the uh, Attorney General? They're doing call-ins. Like, for example, Bill Barr's yet, uh, press conference yesterday, which is what we'll talk about in a few minutes, uh, he did that over uh, the Justice Department. He did it as a live stream and then took call-in questions. Um, from reporters instead of, you know, us all huddling on the seventh floor conference room of the Department of Justice and, you know, him calling on us by raising our, hand, his, our hands and stuff like that. So it was kind of interesting. I, I wanted to, when it was my turn to call in, begin my question with first time, long time, but I didn't know anybody would get the joke. So. <laughs> oh, you are a radio guy at heart, I guess, huh? I grew up listening to radio, so yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. So let, let's talk about yesterday. I mean, it's incredible that um, some nor news sources picked it up, some didn't. But what was the general deal with it? What was the what was the purpose? For well, it? what Bill Barr came out and said is that you know he's he's looked at some of the some of the stuff that uh, U.S. Attorney John Durham has uncovered, um, or I should say, looking into is a better way to put it. Looking into, and at this point, he does not expect criminal charges to be filed against either. Uh, former President Obama or former Vice President uh, Biden, which I think disappoints a lot of the Republicans and, and their allies. All right. And uh, and so what was your takeaway? I mean, what can we take away? Because also I know he kind of threw, uh, they say he threw Trump, you know, a rebuke. Is that true? Like, did he sort of push back on something Trump was doing? Well, what Bill Barr did, he pushed back as the president. He pushed back a little bit against the president because the president has been out there, uh, you know, saying on Twitter and telling reporters that Obama has committed a crime, and I think he's called it uh, Obama Gate. Uh, Whatever his exact words, but he's he's made you know insinuations that it's it's a massive crime. But when reporters press Trump on what name the specific crime he committed, uh, Trump seems to always dodge it. I know. Uh, Last week, I think his response was, well, you know the crime he committed. Uh, he's never articulated exactly what he thinks Obama and Biden did. Um, 
know, there's been some concerns about their actions given the uh, classified documents that were unsealed last week that showed that um, they were, you know, some of the top Obama administration officials. Excuse me. No worries. Excuse me. Including um, Attorney General, I'm sorry, including Vice President Joe Biden sought to unmask Michael Flynn. But we also don't know if they got the information about Michael Flynn. So, you know, we're, we're not even sure what really happened there. Um, so I think part of that is, so I think that's the first takeaway, that he hasn't seen any evidence that either Obama or Biden ha- are involved in a crime. And the other person who really keeps claiming that is President Trump. So I think that's the first takeaway. He hasn't seen anything that points to anything illegal they've done. And, and they, you know, and we, we don't know if that's the evidence he's seen, then, then that's, you know, I mean, yeah. I would trust what Bill Barr has to say. The other takeaway, I think, is with President Trump and some, you know, Republicans on Capitol Hill demanding that Obama tried and testify and President Trump screaming for, uh, you know, that they all committed a crime, I think it's a way to temper expectations because I think he's trying to say, you know, Republicans are waiting for people to be ensnared in the dorm probe. You're not getting the big fish, and we don't have any evidence that the big fish here committed a crime, I think, uh, you know, he's tempering expertise. But that doesn't mean people won't be in trouble. Um, you know, there are still some candidates out there who could be looked at for criminal prosecution. Um, and, and I think he just wants to temper expectations that if there are criminal charges brought, it's not going to be anybody, you know, it, it may not be as high level as people want. Um, and the other thing I think to take away is the powers of the president are pretty expansive. And, you know, they've protected Trump enough in his time where, you know, people have raised allegations of what he's doing, and he has kind of hid behind the expansive powers of the presidency. And I don't see why those same powers, if, and I'm saying, and of course this is a big if, if there's any wrongdoing on the part of President Obama or, or Vice President Biden, why they also would not be protected under the expansive powers of the president. But again, I want to emphasize that is only if, you know, we have some solid evidence of wrongdoing, which we don't right now anyway. Jeff, um, are you glad that Barr, by the way, you were, were bringing up Huber. Has there any been any update on that as well? On Huber? Oh, that case that John Huber has ended. Uh, that, that John Huber's probe was just a massive probe. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Nobody seems to be sure why that never resulted in anything. I, I guess at the end of the day, it was just a desperate plea by Jeff Sessions to try to uh, mollify Republicans on the Hill who wanted the investigation. And he was in with Dorm. It's almost the same thing as, you know, um, changing a relief picture who's just getting shelled and bringing in a new guy, which is kind of what Bill Barr did with John Durham now. The John Durham probe, there's quite a bit going on. Most of the, we know that, you know, he's going full throttle. We know he's looking at the uh, about people seeking to unmask Michael Flynn. We know he's looking at the, uh, um, you know, some of the wrongdoing in the Carter Page FISA. Uh, so there's a lot of um, stuff he's looking at. And by all accounts, that investigation is moving fast and furious at full speed ahead. Uh, Jeff, I've got to ask you this though. Taking sort of the reporter hat off for a minute, how how relieved are you as basically an American citizen 
that our attorney general is not buying into what Trump's tweeting, that he's not um, going along with it, so to say, that he's still keeping the even ground at the State Department, which I think, uh, at the Justice Department, which I think we need right now. Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, one of the things is he really made it clear he doesn't want the Justice Department to be weaponized here with this election coming up. And there's a Justice Department guideline about bringing criminal charges against politicians or people involved in politics with an election. I forget the exact number of days, but I think it's 90 days before an election. Um really can't bring politically charged criminal uh, charges against anybody. I believe it's 90 days. And we are starting to approach that deadline. That deadline's coming up pretty quickly. So I think it shows that if there are criminal charges filed, and if it goes for anybody, we're going to see it against uh, people who aren't going to have an impact on the 2020 presidential election which automatically would rule out somebody like uh, Obama, Biden, people like that. It would be people who aren't up for anything or running for anything or really weighing in that much beyond maybe commentary on cable news about the election. You know, Jeff, this kind of has taken away from the important stuff the DOJ was doing uh, to combat hate crimes during this pandemic. I mean, we've seen Asian Americans be targeted. We've still seen anti-Semitism during this. So what has the DOJ done to, you know, prosecute and really punish uh, hate crimes during the pandemic? Honestly, I mean, they, they haven't done that much. And uh, some Democrats have really complained. They sent a, a letter to Barr. They sent a letter to Eric Band, who heads up the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. Uh, they have not seen all that much action from the Justice Department on hate crimes uh, against Asians because of the coronavirus. And... It's interesting because they, the Justice Department has been just on top of coronavirus fraud, uh, coronavirus wrongdoing, um, uh, you know, people hoarding PPEs, for example. You know, the Justice Department is really mobilized but, but, uh, against coronavirus, but we don't see a lot in the, uh, in the hate crime field that, that I would expect we would be seeing right now. Jeff, I got to ask you about this because uh, Josh Howley, someone who actually said we need to investigate the Obama administration on Fox News, also wrote a letter to Bill Barr along with other senators about the meatpacking. Uh, was there any update on that? Because I know they were looking out for the meatpackers. No, I mean, it, it, you know, it, uh, I think uh, Senator Howley had sent his letter uh, pretty recently. Uh, I think he sent it at the end of last week. So, you know, usually these things take a little bit, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of senators sending Bill Barr a lot of letters. Uh, you know, I talked about the Democrats sending the letters about hate crimes against Asians. Democrats have also sent a lot of letters uh, demanding more information about federal custody. One of the things they're asking about is coronavirus, what the U.S. Marshal Service is doing to protect federal custody, federal inmates, federal detainees when they're in their custody. And, you know, most detainees aren't even in the U.S. Marshal's custody that long. So, you know, Bill Barshall has letters from um, politicians right now all with their own arm to bag. But focusing on the corona for a minute, have you seen progress on the way they've been punishing the hoarders and the and the other, I guess, maybe even... Well, you know, it's, in, uh, it's really interesting. It's something I wanted to actually 
Uh, talk a little more about it. I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, they're doing a lot to go after these coronavirus, the quarters, the people who are doing things. And um, one could add, I'm almost making the argument some of these people are getting overcharged or the Justice Department is looking to make an example of. And, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, there's a gentleman out in Nevada who uh, is facing federal charges right now because uh, he worked at a supply company. He uh, grabbed some masks, a box of masks. Wasn't that good? It was under twenty dollars retail value from the back of a truck for his own personal use, and now he's facing federal charges. I mean, this is almost the equivalent of somebody stealing, an, you know, stealing a pen from the office supply cabinet. Uh, it's really, you know, but under these times and under these circumstances, but for the coronavirus, now this man is, you know indicted on federal charges and may face a lengthy prison sentence. There's another guy in Atlanta who uh, was very bitter about being fired from his company, allegedly, uh, according to the criminal complaint, I should say, and he um, allegedly uh, um, decided to uh, delete shipping information as a way to strike back at his company. And normally that would just be a dispute between the employee and the company, and maybe he might face some state charges for that. But because his company was a medical supply uh, business, he's now facing federal charges too. Um, So we're seeing, I don't want to say it's an overreach, but we're certainly seeing the DOJ make an example out of people that they feel have, uh, have committed a crime during this period or at least accused of committed or committing a crime against good. And the other thing about that, there's not a lot of crime right now. Now, we know domestic violence is up a little bit, but we're not seeing the robberies. We're not seeing the white collar crime. We're not seeing the federal crimes that we typically see. So there's also probably that prosecutors are bored. And looking, you know, some of these, you know, you've got to almost justify your job, and why not bring federal charges against these people? So, um... I think it's kind of two pronged there. Uh, as far as the hoarding goes, no. We in Brooklyn had someone who was arrested in Brooklyn. I don't know if they inter if they had a say in that decision as well, where there was a hoarder in Brooklyn. Did the DOJ get involved with that? Yes, the DOJ has been doing all this. Yes, um, and if I recall co- correctly, it was he was the gentleman in Brooklyn. He was allegedly. Uh, Hoarding and then selling them at inflated prices, if I recall correctly. Yes. That case. But yes, all the coronavirus, I mean, they're all bringing these cases. And about the Justice Department has even said if you have coronavirus and you cough on somebody, you could be facing a uh, bioweapons charge, which uh, is really only used to prosecute terrorists, that you may be. prosecuted under a terrorist statute if, if you're doing it. So you really see the Justice Department's really, really set to try to uh, go above and beyond here to try and keep law and order during the pandemic. Jeff, does it bother you uh, that they aren't doing anything about the hate crimes? I mean, that kind of bothers me now that, now that you mention it. it, uh, it it's something that the Justice Department should prioritize. Uh, there's, there's no question about it. Uh the Justice Department's stretched a little thin right now because I am sure you have one or two, you know, hampered because they're working from home. I mean, I have found working from home is like working with one hand tied behind your back. 
you've got, um, so I think that's an issue. You know, you probably have some people who need sick and or, and or taking care of a loved one who is sick. Um, and also, you know, you've had these people, as I mentioned, who in a normal, if things were normal, would not be facing federal charges for their alleged action. And now they are. So, you know, the Justice, the Justice Department probably say they're structurally thin. But yes, they should prioritize this. They, you know, you look after 9-11, uh, and that was also a Republican administration under George W. Bush. Uh, that Justice Department really prioritized with a lot of other things going on in the crazy period after 9-11, but they really prioritized uh, hate crimes against Muslims, and they really set out to make an example of those people. So mm-hmm. it is a little curious with that uh, playbook already in place from 9-11, why we're not seeing as much uh, with the uh, hate crimes against Asian Americans um, that we should see from the Justice Department right now. By the way, I completely cannot let this interview go by without asking you about the dismissal of Flynn because that was one of the first big DOJ news bits in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and when well, you say when you say stretched thin, I, is, oh wait, go for it, sorry. Before I answer your question on Flynn, I just want to say one more thing about hate crimes uh, against Asian Americans. Even to my point about, you know, the Justice Department would say they're stressful thin right now. They did bring hate crime charges last week against the Missouri man who set fire to a Muslim um, prayer center. So the, the, the civil rights unit is certainly bringing hate crime charges right now. There's certainly no shortage of, um, of, of hate crimes. So it is a little curious that if they're taking that, that they're not, uh, we're not seeing the big indictments for hate crimes against Asians. Hopefully in due time. Uh, I, yes, I, I totally agree. Totally. Now, I'm sorry, to answer your question again about Flynn, um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with General, with, with that General Flynn here. Um, Judge Sullivan, who is the federal judge, seems very resistant to dropping the charges. He's appointed a federal judge who used to investigate the mob. Um, to uh, look into the Justice Department's argument and possibly consider if he, uh, if uh, Flynn uh, committed perjury or should be held in contempt for withdrawing his guilty plea. Um, you know, it, well, I think we're going to have more arguments on this in early to mid June, and it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Okay. Love it. And one last thing, Jeff, uh, got to ask you this. Uh, what's the preparation for the DOJ? Oh, and you said stretch thin before I get to that point. Is that, is that also including those that might be resigning because of all these political actions? Because there's that happening too, correct? What, the, the attrition? Uh, are you talking about the, the attrition within the Justice Department? Yeah, like um, there's, there's maybe some resignations happening. Is that what's going on? Well, we haven't seen, I mean, we haven't seen a lot. Like Brandon Van Grack, uh, went through from the Flynn case and his other Justice Department cases, but as far as I know, he is still at the Department of Justice. I don't believe he has left the Department of Justice entirely. Um, I think we saw some attrition at the beginning when Trump's impressions first came in, uh, especially people who didn't want to support Trump's immigration policy or uh, their opposition to Obamacare. I, I, I don't know that we're seeing that now because now the administration's gone on for you know, three years, for almost four years at this point, I think, uh, I think at this point, uh, it's time to, um, I think at this, at this point, anybody who's left would have left already. 
Jeff, I've got to ask you this. Is there uh, a Jeff Mordock of the Washington Times? Thanks for joining us today, by the way. It's always great to talk with you and, and to get caught up with all this stuff because it is stuff that should be talked about because DOJ is in the news, not just because of Trump, but other stuff they're doing. So thank you for bringing that to light. But pandemic preparedness. I mean, there's going to be more crime on the rise as people continue to be locked in. Is the DOJ preparing for that? Well, where we're going to get the crime from is that um, the number of people who are being released under coronavirus, uh, let's stop the spread of the coronavirus in, in local jails, and, um, is resulting in the number of people being released who should be released. And this is a big problem. Um, I, I've written about this extensively. Uh, there's cases where people have been let out, and the next day they murder somebody. The next day they, um, yeah, there's a guy in Utah uh, was released uh, on a minor charge because uh, to stop the spread of coronavirus in the jail, and he uh, held a woman at gunpoint the next day. Um, that's not a Justice Department issue because these are mostly local local inmates, local people uh, that are getting out. They're are usually being held on state charges, state local charges. So they're not the federal inmates. It seems like the Justice Department, which runs the Bureau of Prisons, is um, doing a good job of keeping those people well monitored and in quarantine. It's the local jails. And one of the things that I've also read about is these local municipalities, and we're seeing this in West Virginia, we're seeing this in Chicago, we're seeing this in Cincinnati. New York uh, City has it. I mean, there's, there's such an issue in New York where we're releasing people, and the mayor finds it unconscionable, they're committing crimes. How does he find that unconscionable? It's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. And there's people being let out who should not be. I'll give you the best example is, you know, in, um, you know is there's, a, uh, there's a homeless HIV convicted rapist who uh, had raped a university of Cincinnati student, uh, served his decade in jail on the rape charge, got out, homeless, HIV positive, was uh, uh, was washing himself. He didn't have a place to go. He was basically washing himself in the bathroom of the local grocery store and uh, was picked up on a trespassing charge. The judge looked at it and said, that's oh, a trespassing charge and released this person out there. Now you have uh, a convicted rapist who has no place to go out there in the community who was in jail for, I don't know how long he was in jail for while they held him on the uh, trespassing charge. But you don't know if he got coronavirus. Now he's out in the world. You don't know where this guy is or what this guy's doing. And that doesn't protect the people of Cincinnati. It also doesn't protect this guy because now there's nobody checking in on this guy to make sure you know he's not spreading coronavirus elsewhere if he got it. But that's a real problem because these, these communities are also really shielding. It's really hard to find out who is being released and why. I'll give you examples in West Virginia. It's become an issue in the governor's race, so much so that uh, Governor uh, Jim Justice, his opponent, had to do a FOIA request just to find out who was being released from West Virginia mm. state prisons. Uh, Jeff, now you mentioned Virginia, that whole area, West Virginia, Virginia. Virginia did do something amazing. They allowed uh, a gathering of 10, uh, you know, just 10 for churches. And churches is another topic that the DOJ has been talking about, trying to keep religious of freedom during uh, freedom of religion during this have they done a good job of that yeah they, they uh, I mean, they've brought the lawsuit that's what all the justice department can do uh, 
Uh, they've prioritized it, which is really all the Justice Department can do. Um, and that's, you know, that's, and again, that goes back to my point about why they're not going about where their priorities lie and why we haven't seen um, the hate, them pursue hate crimes against Asians, uh, Asian Americans, um, because this is another issue. And so far, I mean, you know, these things are meandering through the federal court. They take time. You know, whether or not they're successful or not, we'll know in a little bit. But I think the mere fact that the Justice Department is weighing in, the Justice Department is siding with these churches, sends a pretty powerful message. And uh, that's clearly what Bill Barr is trying to do here, send a powerful message. Jeff, what's your final message today as we wrap up this conversation? And, of course, we'll have you back. But what's your message today for people that are kind of worried uh, law and order may may go out of control here during this lockdown? Well, I think if you just, you know, I, I, I think there's things you can do to stay safe, uh, you know, just practice common sense. I also believe that we're starting to get to the tail end of the pandemic here, and hopefully we'll start to see things go back to normal and we'll um, start, to, start to ease back in and, and things will start to get back to normal. Some of these things that we're concerned about will, will sort of become moot. At least that is my hope. Let us hope. Jeff, thanks so much for joining, and we will talk to you soon. Jeff Mordock, Washington Times. I know we both miss sports dearly, so at least there's other stuff distracting us, right? So yeah, me... exactly. Although I really miss baseball. I feel bad my nationals. Um, I've never seen a team win a World Series and then just completely get no attention for it whatsoever because they right. win the World Series, and then there's the Astros cheating scandal that happened. So everybody in the sports media is all focused on what happened with the Astros. Then the coronavirus hit, so Nationals don't even get to have their ceremony where the players get the ring and they ring the World Championship banner and all of that. It's, um, now it's kind of, I feel, I feel bad for my, my favorite team. Let me tell you, I love that ballpark and uh, actually, it's a, you know, with the Nationals, they're a great group of guys. Like, they're not, the Astros never rubbed me the right way. Like, they always seem like they were a bit more hot dogish on that side. Nationals are very yeah. calm, cool, and collected. And they're led by Soto, right? So Soto has been an incredible force in that lineup at just 21, 22 years old. And it's amazing. He is, he, is, he is going to be what Bryce Harper was supposed to be. Well, That's maybe awesome. may, maybe we should, for the Washington Times readers, give us uh, get, do a sports talk because maybe they miss it just as much as us, and it will give you a chance to put your hair down on 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 life instead of just DOJ talks. Let's let's think about that. Sure, that sounds great. That sounds great. Jeff, thanks for joining. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon.